0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's
1: going on, everybody? Eric Franson, IJ Salveson with you here on a Monday on the Full Court Press. FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. A big weekend that was in high school, college, the pros. Doing our best to recap all of it here on the show. We spent last hour talking about high school football, top 25 matchups in college football, the NFL. Uh, This hour, spending the most of the time talking about Utah State, specifically for what they did in football and in basketball. The top 25 polls are out in uh, football. Utah State, understandably, not really moving there, not getting any votes. But uh, there are a couple other Mountain West teams that are, as we talked about. Boise State moved up. Uh, Air Force, San Diego State fell out of the top 25 with their loss. They're still getting votes. Air Force getting votes. And in the coaches poll, Wyoming is getting one vote in that poll. For college basketball, Utah State... Uh, is still in the top twenty-five. They didn't have any movement in the um, in the AP poll. Utah State still at number seventeen uh, in the college poll. The uh, in the AP poll, the coaches poll has not yet been released. But um, the teams, notable teams on USU's schedule, are, are in the top twenty-five. Florida lost to Florida State, and they fell nine places. So they're just a little bit above Utah State at number 15. St. Mary's is right on USU's heels. They're at number 18, and LSU is at number 23. Utah State plays all three of those teams on the schedule. And another school that USU will face at some point this season, San Diego State receiving a couple of votes after going into Provo and beating BYU 76-71. to yeah, that game was
2: actually pretty competitive. I watched
1: that one on TV. Um, man, that
2: Jake Toulson kick and play. <laughs> I can see why everybody wanted him. He's he's a good ball player. He's just smart. He's fundamentally sound. TJ Hawes and him on the court together is a very, very dangerous duo. And then when you get Yuli Childs the on the court, comes back, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's going to be a very good basketball team. Utah State deals with them on December 14th uh, at Vivint Small Home Arena in the Beehive Classic. Um but I, I was impressed with BYU. I really, really was. I, I thought that uh, they looked like a pretty quality basketball team. And San Diego State looks good, too.
1: Utah State basketball will take on uh, Denver tomorrow. Uh, so this is probably not as exciting of a week as it was a week ago. Uh, the games Utah State play, uh, the teams they play, face this week, aren't really notable teams that a lot of people know about. Um, <coughs> North Carolina, A&T, and Denver. But this is where Utah State can fine-tune rotations, they yeah. can fine-tune yeah. minutes uh, and different lineup opportunities. So it's, it's these are still important games for Utah State to play.
2: And that's the thing is that when you look at this, um, LSU – because, I mean, they go to Jamaica next weekend. So, really, like, those no-name games, if you want to call it that, that all stops next Saturday because – next Friday, actually, because you get uh, you get uh, North Texas. You well, get, UT uh, or, San
1: Antonio. Yeah, yeah we, we got 18th. UT San
2: Antonio. But then you got North Texas and LSU in Jamaica, which are – I mean, those are no-gimme games. You come back and you get – I mean, you got to go to St. Mary's. You still got to go to Florida. Like, for the next three weeks, after this week, the next three weeks – are compiled of ranked teams in each week. Okay, there's LSU, there's St. Mary's, there's Florida. Uh, Florida isn't
1: until December twenty first.
2: Oh, so it's a few weeks after. Sorry, yeah. I'm looking at the week wrong. Yes.
1: Um, because well, after the St. Mary's, you're right into conference play at San Jose, and then at home against Fresno, Fresno
2: State, and then you're at or I guess you got BYU's in, in yeah, and in there as Salt well. Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, do they get South Florida in at South Houston? Florida? That's, brutal, That's in
2: Houston. It's a freaking brutal schedule, man. <laughs> They're
1: all traveling all over the place. Uh,
2: but, again, it, there's some tough games there. So, yeah, this whole no-name schedule thing of, well, we're playing Denver and North Carolina a and Yeah, look, it's, it's about helping the roster because Craig, Coach Smith, I mean, they said it. I mean, as tough as it was to schedule, they actually did a good job of setting it up. This is your fine-tuning time, and then you get into the heavy-hitting With some of the more heavyweight teams of of LSU and St. Mary's. And on the road to St. Mary's, you know it's going to be a dogfight. That team has you circled and squared because of last year. BYU wants you as well. They can't wait to have you in Salt Lake City on the Arena's Court. Uh, And in Florida, look, Florida lost to Florida State. I don't know what that tells you. That's only game one. So we got to really find out how if Florida State's really that real or just a pretender. Um, but I mean, it's, you're not out of the woods and
1: really not even close until conference play starts. And we'll hear more from Craig, uh, Craig Smith and, uh, who else? Did you get a chance to talk to some players? When you I won? did. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got, I, I got uh, Craig Smith. You'll hear from Abel Porter tomorrow. You'll also hear from Alfonso Anderson tomorrow. Uh, Alfonso, who is, I mean, he comes in a new guy and has taken some major minutes and as became one of the in that trust box of coach smith where hey I can put you in in big time minutes in key situations and I know you'll contribute alfonso's been great i think alfonso's been really wonderful just so cool calm and smooth with everything he doesn't panic you know you, you watch him take a ball of court you know whether it's in a quick transition or just you know a half court pace just everything seems to be in control and alfonso's on the court yeah. Well, in critical he, minutes
1: in the yeah. second half against Montana State. Well
2: not only that, but he took six free throws to win it too. Yes. Uh so uh yeah, just impressive stuff by Alfonso. And then of course you'll hear from Abel who's uh, uh have he has a steady grip on the starting point guard position. I know people going into the offseason said, well, are they gonna look for a new point guard? Are they gonna try and look elsewhere? I don't know why they would in the first. I thought Abel did a great job last year.
1: Why mess with what's working?
2: Yeah, I think Abel's doing a fine job this year. Craig Smith, for how deep his bench is, has really handled the rotation pretty darn well. I mean, think about this, Eric. Diogo is third leading scorer on the team or second, and he's coming off the bench. The guy's coming off the bench, and he's your third leading scorer.
1: I'm a big Brito fan. Yeah. Yep. Big Diogo Brito. And how
2: about Justin Bean as of late, too? The kid who had surgery on his face after a Montana State game, turns around plays in Weber State. That put-back dunk on a Brock Miller miss three was
1: just saucy. Well, it was great defense on one end, and he hustles down the court and makes a big play on the other.
2: Yeah, and he did a couple of times on, on, on that defensively. Sam Merrill, Sam Merrill. Look, Sam Merrill continues to prove that he is definitely, if you want to wrestle that Mountain West Conference
1: player of the year, Defending championship away from him. Good luck. Well, and defenses are focusing on him, and what he's doing is he's help, he's finding other guys uh, as they're collapsing on him. And it's trust finding the too. open guy, and it's
2: new guys too. He's not just trying to look for a veteran guy. He's finding new guys to do the job as well, and that's yep. a lot of trust coming from a kid from from your captain. Uh, I, I think Sam Merrill's been so so impressive lately. Um, my. Gosh, you, know, like it's, you just you watch him last year and you say, how can he get any better? And then you watch him this year and you say, yep, he's better. In everything. I know it's weird to say. But more complete. But he's just, yeah, I mean, defensively, he's just so sound and aware. It's almost like he's seen everything now. Nothing takes him off guard, right? He has this, like, photographic memory of, of defenses and the way things run. And you can see players doing this and that. Um, and you just see him... You know, get to spots before anybody else can, offensively or defensively, and it makes for a productive play for them, offensively and defensively. Uh, he's still, in my mind, and it's a runaway right now, the best player in the conference, without a doubt. Uh, practice today, he was very vocal, and that's another thing about Sam is you kind of know him to be that quiet guy, but then you see him on the court, and he's so vocal. I mean, that place was loud Friday night. We were five minutes into that game. Weber State was already running their tails out of the gym because they just couldn't stand it anymore. And at one point, it was so loud that Sam Merrill's trying to communicate with Alfonso Anderson. And Alfonso, I thought he was confused on what Sam was saying. It was that Alphonso couldn't hear Sam at all. And they were like, you and me distance away. And Alfonso couldn't hear anything. And so finally, Sam like, physically directed him where to go. That's leadership. Like, hey, look, I know you can't hear me, and you're not used to this, so I'm just gonna help you get there. <laughs> and he did. And it, I yeah. mean, it's just, it's just awesome what, what Sam's doing, and the way Coach Smith is, it has this team running. On, I mean, you go from, I mean, emotional win in game one, right, and then you have that rivalry game in game two. He says he's worried about this game in game three because game one's jitters, game two is a rivalry game, game three's like, oh,
1: Denver. Okay, let's play Denver. <laughs> True, you, you can't let a team like this gonna sneak up Yeah, on you, you can't. Uh, I also thought it was good to see Roche and Clay oh, get involved. Yeah, I know they didn't get a lot. But they got minutes. Yes. You know, a, these are guys minute. that have been away from the game for a bit. Get, they're easing them back in. It's a blowout. You can afford to play these guys. What do you
2: think about Cuba getting as much time as he has in Darius and Darius and, and those guys over Clay and over Roche? Um,
1: are you, I mean, I'm kind of surprised. A, a little surprised, but... Uh, I mean,
2: it's working, it, though, so I really can't yes. talk a whole lot. I mean,
1: Kuba is seven feet tall. Seven foot two, yeah. excuse me. Seven, seven foot two. two. So, he's got an advantage there that those other guys just do not have. Um, so, if you can affect the team <laughs> because of your size and your length, uh, you, you, as a coach, you got to strongly consider that. And nobody's doing a nice job so far. So yeah, nice two wins for Utah State to open it up last week. This week, Denver tomorrow. Um, and then North Carolina A&T. So I thought it was
2: yeah, I thought it was A T and T. I thought I kept saying. But it's A and T, my bad. Yeah, it's 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 two dozer off. But like you said, you can't take any nights off. Like, you need to make sure you're ready to go because next week is to win it all. <laughs> got some big ones going on. You got to travel a lot, and from here on out, it's just go, 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 go. Little amounts of time to practice. So
1: true, uh, but these are these are the games that uh, uh, are the last real chances for USU to yep. fine tune some things, yeah, and for guys to you kind know, of stand out for the coaches if they want to be able to get more minutes on the court.
2: Uh, what are th- I mean, as good as they've looked, what are two things you want to see between in these next two games that you want to see the Aggies improve upon?
1: Oh, um, I mean, it's hard to say what they can improve upon after what they did to Weber state, but man, um, I don't know. Honestly, it's our, uh, outside shooting maybe. Yeah. Be a little bit consist more consistent there. I want to see
2: Cuba be more physical. I feel like he's getting pushed around in the post a little mm. bit too much. I want to see him yeah, push back good. a little bit. I mean, Clay Stall, I mean, like you go from Cuba to Clay Stall, and that big guy's like, oh my gosh, dude, you're a load, right? Roche in there is a load to, to try yes. to move around. Yeah, true. Those Cuba, guys are more
1: physical. And I
2: know he's got to put on some meat and the bones, you know, put on some weight a little bit. I'd like to see him not get pushed around. He's getting pushed around way too easily out, off the block. Get in there and, and push back. Be more Because, fi- like, when you play LSU, St. Mary's, BYU, like, Yuli Childs is is a tough tough guy to have to play against and if you're not physical he's going to eat you alive cuz he loves being physical. If you can't take it, it's it's going to be hard to get minutes on the court in that game.
1: No, I I like that. I think that's a good one. Uh but what we do see is Utah State has some depth at that position. So if it's if it is problematic for Cuba, I think they can throw some other guys in there who if that's if that's the problem at that center position, if the other opposing guy down low is, is out-physicaling, if that's a word, is being more physical in the post, then Utah State can make a change there and get somebody that would be harder to push around. So th- this team has that kind of versatility and depth. So um, it, it's a young season, still a lot yet to to happen. But uh reminder, across the hall from us, actually across the glass from us, uh, on our sister station, KVNU, KVNU Game Day will start tomorrow night at six o'clock. Al Lewis and uh, Jalen Moore will break it down. Utah State, uh, right up until tip off, giving their their analysis and their interviews and their and their perspective on what's going on with the USU basketball. So that'll start tomorrow at six, go right up until tip off, and as soon as the game's over, they'll be back on the air again with KVNU Aggie Call to take your calls and comments about what happened in the spectrum.
2: Does this starting lineup that you see right now, is this will this be the same starting lineup you see in January, yes or no?
1: No. Oh. Because uh, Namish Keto should be back. Oh, right?
2: yeah. Well, okay, duh. Sorry. I didn't think I – for whatever reason, just slipped my mind. If Namish is listening, I'm sorry. He's probably <laughs> offended right now. So that means Kuba comes off the bench. Boy, that's really going to limit minutes for some guys then after that. But can you consider that, that second
1: unit – Diogo Brito, and Cuba
2: And Anderson really and, coming and off the Anderson? bench, too. And Darius might see some time. I mean, does Darius see any minutes will be kind of interesting. But, yeah, yeah I see where you're coming from. That's, that's a deep, deep bench.
1: <laughs> yes. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, uh, coming up next year on the Full Court Press, it was also a big game weekend for Utah State football.
2: Yeah, I, I just got to ask you, are you okay? I mean, do you make it through? I mean, how many times did you close your eyes or throw something at the wall? Maybe, maybe we should have done an over/under on that too. I mean, that was, <laughs>
1: whew. that fourth quarter was a roller coaster. Uh, I put a question out on Twitter earlier today. I've got a lot of interesting responses. We'll get into those and hear from Coach Gary Anderson and what he has to say uh, about what happened. Saturday at Fresno State. All that's coming up right uh, next, right here
0: on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: A lot of Aggie fans had, uh, what's the best term to use? Heart mm-hmm. trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah. Late in the
1: fourth quarter. Utah State, uh, they have it first and goal. Can't punch it in. Comes down to uh, fourth, and there's like a yard and a half. They, uh, well, first they trot out the field goal unit. Then they say they're going to review it, so they all go out. They Gerald Bright did, or Jalen Warren did not get in. Then Utah State brings back its offensive unit. Fresno State calls a timeout. They go back to the sidelines. Utah State comes back out, and they run a zone read and get blown up. <laughs> At I this point, there's sorry. what five minutes to go. I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. It's uh, still. Utah State down by one, yeah. and so then the debate started to 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 rage about should they have gone for uh, should they have gone for a field goal, take the sure points. Uh, what play call should there be? How come Utah State doesn't have a power run game? If you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to win. <laughs> Things like that were what I was seeing on the on Twitter as the game was happening. But uh, I, I, I can't disagree with the idea to go for it on fourth and goal. I do disagree with the, with play, the call. play call. I agree.
2: I agree with your disagreement. Um, when they were going to kick the field goal, I was going to say, absolutely, that's the right decision. Let Dominic kick it for you and get you the lead. See if your defense can hold on for dear life. Uh, and then they decided to go. Not only did they decide to go for it, but they decided to get in the shotgun formation and Fresno for however they knew it, they knew it was coming. I don't know if it was by an audible call or whatever, but they but like you see him all of a sudden just pack the like pack the line, the box, the whole entire thing. I mean, they throw the whole Angie's kitchen sink at them, and then Carson Terrell. He got blown up. I mean, talk about like little giants, that little nerdy kid versus the cowboys just getting clocked. Poor Carson Terrell
1: couldn't do anything. I mean it just got clocked. Well, in the moment, Jordan Love it's doing the zone read, throws to hand the ball to Bright, and he wants to pull it back out to do something else. They're so close, and so much is happening so quickly. Bright just clamps down on that thing, like I'm not letting this thing go. Yeah. So. And I, I, why would you? Why would you let go?
2: Now, hindsight, 2020. I I and we didn't ask coach because none of us had the guts to ask him. I'm just gonna be honest, we're all kind of coward about it. Uh, hindsight 2020, would he have gone for it again? And if he would have, would you have ran the same play or gone something different? Would you, without knowing the result, would you have gone with that same play again? I just, I, I wondered. I didn't ask him because I didn't have the guts to. I was, I was scared to death. But I, I wonder if you maybe let Jordan Love make that decision, right, with the ball in his hands. So instead of handing it off, even his zone read, don't even do his own read.
1: Drop back, throw it, find somebody. Well, even on the second down play, if Jordan goes on a bootleg and yeah. runs it out to the right, yeah. no one's beating him to the pylon. Yeah. And, but the, the, the question still is, and has been for a while, why does this team not have a designed play that can get you at least one yard? Where you stick a six, six
2: quarterback on the line of scrimmage and just go like this? Right with the ball, just take the ball in hand and put it over the line and say, All right, we're in. I mean, because that's all you need, right? Is a ball to cross cross the goal line. That's all you need. So if you even if you just take the snap, stand straight up and put the ball over the head, you're in. It's a touchdown. And and Matt didn't do it last year, and they don't do it this year.
1: It it's weird. It is weird. Yeah, but put a Put uh, Caleb Rep in as a lead blocker even to give you some push on the line. Anyway, it, it, it's been a problem before. It was a problem again last night. Or er, not last night. last Saturday night. Granted, uh, the decision to go for the touchdown was the right call. The yes. way the defense was having trouble yes. stopping Fresno, USU needed the touchdown. Yeah. Now, the defense comes in and plays spectacular. And forces a punt. And Utah State gets great field position. And then they come down and they kick the field goal at the end to win. But that that defense was suspect Saturday. Their last two defensive series were good when it really mattered the most. But I'm still concerned about that defense. The offense, uh, the last two weeks has looked better. They looked much better Saturday. No interceptions. A much better offensive game for Jordan Love. He had some passes that were incredible. He had a few other plays that maybe if he leads a little bit more, uh, Devin Tompkins doesn't have to slow up to get the ball, uh, or he leads him and hits him in stride. And those are two touchdowns right there. But a much better game by Jordan Love.
2: Yeah, that throw to Jordan Nathan was an NFL throw. I mean, Jordan even knew, like, you look actually, you look at the far view camera of that play, and there's, like, I think there's two guys who are wide open, five yards apart from each other, and about eight yards apart from Love. Love doesn't even look at him. Love looks straight at Nathan who's being covered by three defenders, hands all over him, and just says, oh, what the heck. Drops it in the old place where it right can be. Yeah, drops it right in a basket where Jordan Nathan makes expi- – and, and, by the way, don't discredit Nathan for the catch. No. Cause that is not an easy catch. <laughs> and he got – I mean, he he went
1: down to the ground hard.
2: I thought he broke his arm, by the way. I thought he broke his freaking arm. Oh, we all thought. Oh, my I gosh. He we just done. lost Jordan Nathan. <laughs> oh, man. That was scary. Yeah, and then you saw him come back in, which was great. Yeah, I thought Nathan was just flat-out good. Jordan Love was really good. In fact, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Anderson, I don't know if I actually have it on there, talked about the offense a little bit and just giving credit to Jordan Love. I don't even know if I have it on there. I probably don't.
1: But there's a segment here about Anderson talking about the wide receivers who made some great yeah, plays. Yeah. And uh we'll hear that now.
3: They did. You know, there was uh there was some contested balls, we made some catches, which was great to see. Uh the one that Jordan uh, there's there's a lot of hands up in the air right there. <laughs> His hands found a way to get the get the ball down and COC's catch in the end zone, you know, he's in again by I don't know, an inch. Um and, and makes a tremendous play and great concentration. And then there's just a number of those catches that were out there that were, you know, nice plays. And and Jordan did a nice job of getting the ball out. And it's it's great to see Jordan, you know, have that success. It's it's great to see him slap a helmet sticker on ESPN to wrap up college game day for for Jordan Love. Um, for all he's been through this year and the battles that he's been through, and you know, it's like I always say, he's never one time batted an eye. It would be easy for him to. Again, go to the "woe is me" card and you know look at himself and look at the guys around him and this and that. Never, not even a, not even a sniff of that. Um, but to see him have a game like that, especially when there's 50, 60 people in his family and friends and uh, in the stands, in that environment, in that setting, um, it was just, it was just fun to watch that. So I'm I'm really excited for Jordan, and uh, you know he'll have a great challenge in front of himself this week with the great defense, and he'll be excited about that. And I know so the wide receivers will be too, and. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, that's, that, that's last week, and we've moved on. But, uh, again, don't forget that because that's a special – it was a special three-and-a-half hours for Jordan.
1: He's playing at home. He's got his family nearby – or, to me, there. I mean, he grew up not too far from that stadium, maybe, what, an hour away or so. Uh, he had a lot of family there. It was a beautiful weather day. It, all the combinations that you need for Jordan Love to have a great game, and he did.
2: Yeah, he balled out, and he balled out in the most important times, too, when they really needed him. He came, and there was a couple third-long conversions that they needed. Give credit to Mariner. He mentioned Sioso Mariner, who was just fantastic all night long. Like, look, Sioso Mariner has been kind of like what Julian Edelman is to the Patriots, like that third-down conversion guy, And, and, and Brady only spots one guy on third down, and that's Edelman. Used to be Gronk, now it's Edelman. Such is love and Mariner. Like, he looks at one guy on third down. And and it, it's been mariner and Caleb Rep had a really good evening too. Yes, he did.
1: Uh, five receptions for seventy five yards. Oof. Big big game. Spread uh, it around to a lot of different guys who had some big moments. Um, Jalen Warren, we didn't really see him at all in the first half.
2: Second half comes
1: out and Fred was like, "Who the heck are you, <laughs> yeah, man?" And this one drive, he was making play after play after play. Yeah,
2: what was that? I think that was the opening drive of the second half too, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to look that up right now. That's yeah, a great had point, point runs, that you bring up. Then
1: he, had, he caught the ball out of the backfield as well, and it was just a change-up. So. Yeah,
2: so watch this. Jalen, okay, this is coming out of the second half, right? Jalen Warren for six. Love runs for four. Love to Warren for 26. Tompkins for no gain. Love runs for four. Love finds Warren for five. Warren for nine. Warren for six and a score. And Fresno State's like, dude, who's this guy? What are you doing? Get out of here! Um, what's crazy is it almost felt like. Do you remember? I think it was in eleven, if I remember right. Utah State would have those big leads, and then all of a sudden they just disappear, just like that. Mm-hmm. That was the case here. I mean, we're up twenty-eight, fourteen, and or no, twenty-eight. Yeah, we're up twenty-eight, fourteen with all the momentum in the world, and then. Reina, by the way, Jorge Reina played really well, actually, for the most part. Um, and he comes in, and he drives his team right back, Phil, I mean, without even blinking an eye, he had that long completion to Cropper for 45 in the, on the ensuing possession, and they, they cut it, you know, to, back to a 7-point game. In fact, 28-14, so Utah State scored, you know, the next 14, and then Fresno State scores the next 21. They go on a 21-3 to run. And, and you know, it's because it, you had that field goal from Eberle, uh and then Fresno scored another touchdown and then scored another touchdown. It was just, man, it was a really nuts old game that like that third quarter was crazy. And the fourth quarter was chaos. But that third quarter too, people kind of forget how just back and forth that third quarter was big plays, penalties, knocking teams out of. You know, position from a, a second and gettable down to a third and long. Um, and by the way, the refs weren't really that great either.
1: The referees? Yeah, I, a, I thought a, they were pretty good. There were a couple I calls. I thought that it was pretty good Uh Fresno shot themselves in the foot a ton, a lot of penalties on it, the Bulldogs. Yeah, what did they have actually? They had eleven penalties that cost them one hundred and eight yards. Oh, that one series late in the second quarter, they just got penalty after penalty after penalty. That was the only thing that really stopped them because USU wasn't stopping them at that point. Whoever had the ball was going to score. Yeah. Uh, and that was the first time that Fresno, once they had the ball, were not able to score. Yeah. Uh, but a great offensive performance by USU, but still big concerns in my mind about the defense, particularly the run defense.
2: Sure, but they came up when they needed to, right?
1: They did. The last two series, uh, the Utah State defense forced three and outs and had some big tackles when it mattered.
2: Yeah, Troy lafresge Jr. came up with a big stop. Jacoby Wildman actually
1: came up with a really big stop as well. Shaq Bond had Shaq a big Bond hit. Shaq Bond had a, yeah. Knock him out of bounds before he could get to the first down marker.
2: Yeah, there's a couple of big plays by that defense. And sure, the run defense doesn't look great. I think Wyoming sees that film and says, hey, we know what our game plan is. We know what the blueprint is. Air Force, BYU, Fresno State's kind of taking advantage of it as well. Can Wyoming. Wyoming's a good running team. In fact, I put Wyoming second to Air Force and their ability to be able to run the ball because once they start able to get on a roll with the running game, look, if it's not broken, they're not going to fix it. They don't have to worry about it. They're going to just go with it, right? And if you can't stop one play of their running offense, they're just going to keep running it down your throat. They're very, 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 very physical. You're going to hear Coach Anderson through the next three days four days, five days, whatever it is, talk about being physical and giving credit to Wyoming for being physical. Something that Anderson enjoys because he feels like his team is tested but he also responds to that really, really well. I don't feel like they responded well to Air Force or BYU in that regard. Better against Fresno, but Fresno's not as near as physical as Wyoming is.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I've heard that we got to be physical, we got to be physical. I've been hearing that the last three weeks. Yeah, And I thought that Saturday was the first time that it was a little more physical. It wasn't physical at Air Force. It wasn't physical against BYU. It was a little more physical against the Bulldogs. It will need to be even more against the Cowboys. I put the question out there earlier earlier today, Ajay. I want, I want to get to Coach Anderson's thoughts about the defense, but I want to get to this first. I put this question out earlier today. How much has your attitude about USU football changed after the Aggies' last second win at Fresno State on Saturday. And going into the game, USU was six-point underdog, uh, or I guess five-and-a-half at kickoff. Uh, a lot of fans in despair thinking uh, Mountain West championship is out the window. A bowl may even be out the window. This is not looking good. The trend is not good for USU. So there was a lot of angst among Aggie fans. Utah State wins with the last second field goal. How are things changed? Here are some of the responses. Uh, DJ Ransom says, before the Fresno game, I thought we'd end the season five and seven. I'm now thinking we finish seven and five. Ty Aller says it's about the same. The Aggies have a lot of strengths and some major deficits. If they can compile their strengths and minimize some of the glaring problems, we can win each of the remaining games. Braden at Third Gen Aggie says, I think they'll make a bowl now. I doubt they would have had they lost. Uh, Matt Christensen, who's at Aggies all the way, says they're winning out. Offense is going to roll. and The defense will do enough and make some big plays. And they know they can win close games. And Dom got the monkey off his back. He'll be money. Hashtag Aggies all the way. Uh, Scott says, improved a bit. First time they've showed any spine all season. That's at Robot Crow, 1878. Uh, I want to get back to that in a little bit. Uh, Hayden Noel, at Noel Haid, uh, Haid, says, It was gut check time for USU football, and they came through. They're tougher than I originally thought. After getting killed by BYU, they could have easily bagged the rest of the season. It was fun to watch that team play. Uh, Tristan Boyce says, Based solely on USU's performance, I'm feeling 7-5. and five, But based on what happened with Wyoming and Boise State on Saturday, I don't know whether to be more worried about Wyoming or less worried about Boise now. Anything between 6-6 six and six and 8-4 and four wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm. Uh, at Utah Stizzle says, just wanted to see them be competitive after a couple blowouts, which they were. The wind just gave some hype to see the season going forward. Uh, also said, I think we shut down Wyoming at home. Boise with their backup is very beatable, but Bachmeyer likely back by then. Uh, Tristan Boyce says, I still have a de- have defensive concerns. One week we can't stop the run. The next week we do okay against the run, but keep getting gashed for explosive plays. Then we contain those, but can't stop dink and dunk passes. I just want a complete defensive game. That's fair enough. So uh, One other said, uh, this is Borendo, Mr. Anderson underscore 93, says the expectation has not and should not change Mountain West champs or it's not a successful season. Exclamation point. Uh, Padiero says was disappointed earlier due to lack of execution and timing of both offense and defense, seeing things come together on offense, which creates some calm. Still worried about defense and holes that can be exploited by other teams, but they showed grit on Saturday. Huh? Well, the optimism is better than it was a week ago. Uh, there's another one, D. Jones says, if you recall, I predicted eight wins before the season started, and I'm sticking with that. Good for you. Good for you. Stick with it. Uh, true Aggie, one true Aggie, says, I thought we would have nine wins. I never saw the complete fail of a loss to BYU coming. An underestimated Air Force, Wake Forest was toss-up in my mind. And I last,
2: 100% agree with that one.
1: Last one, this is Richard A. Gulbraith at Mariners C., I'm so numb to the I, I'm so numb to the Aggies right now. We made that kick and I felt nothing. Had we missed that kick, I would have felt nothing. Wow, jeez. Well, so I ask you, Aj, <laughs> have your feelings changed about Utah State after that win? I don't think my feelings really changed after the BYU
2: game. Like someone called me, and because uh, I. Before the season, I had said they're going to be eight and four, and they called me after the BYU loss, asked if I wanted to change my thought. Line. I said no, they're still going to be eight and four. I said, you realize that they got to play Fresno, Wyoming, Boise, New Mexico. Yeah, they're going to win all four. You're telling me a team that just got rough shot by Air Force and BYU is going to be eight and four at the end of the year? Yeah. And I still think that. I still think that they can beat Wyoming. No Sean Chambers. And Tyler Vanderbilt's a better... I mean, he's, he's, he's an okay quarterback. He's not better than Sean Chambers. I think they can get to Tyler. And I think they can make Tyler make some bad decisions. When they need TiPA back, Teepa is uh, to be determined. Uh, he was asked about it today. Said nothing on it. Won't say anything on it. You know the role there. Um, but I think Tipa can come back and make a huge presence in that regard. Boise is obviously a tough football team, but they're not like they were last year. And I think our offense is better than better than they than they've looked. And I think at home helps us out a lot. I think we beat Boise, New Mexico's a runaway. I think we finish eight and four. I don't know if we end up being the Mount West Conference championship because of that tiebreaker. And it's really when I look at it, it doesn't favor us not too well. We need Air Force to lose at Wyoming or see me a home against Wyoming at the end of the season. I don't see it happening either. So we'll see.
1: I'm trying to remember what my preseason predictions were. I think I was at, I can't remember if I was at eight and four or seven and five. I think I was more in the seven and five, five category. Yeah. Yeah. I was super concerned about on the road at San Diego State, on the road at Fresno. And yep. you, let's step back for a moment. Utah State won both of those games. Yeah.
2: How about that?
1: I didn't think. I mean, I knew
2: Air Force would be tricky. I didn't think they were going to be that good. Man, that blew me away. I thought Utah State could beat Air Force. Look, that that loss blew me more away than the BYU game for some reason. For some reason. I mean, you just knew BYU would come in here desperate, right? You knew coming in here after getting their butts handed to two years in a row, once here, once there, they're going to come back with a little bit something to prove. I didn't think we were going to get handled like that by Air Force. That scared me to death, man coming out of that game. That terrified me that that happened to us.
1: All right, coming up next, let's hear from Coach Gary Anderson about some of those big stops down the stretch for USU. That defense will need to come up big again this next week in stopping a very prolific running attack from the Wyoming Cowboys. We'll hear from him and more reactions to what happened over the weekend for Utah State football, Utah State basketball. reminder, Utah Jazz basketball
3: is coming up a little bit later
1: on tonight. Hey, how about on consecutive nights, a Utah team that we like to follow wins on a last-second three-point play. The Utah Jazz, Boyan Bogdanovich with the corner three to win, and then Dominic Everly for the Utah Seed Aggies with the three-point field goal to win. Eric, not to be dramatic,
2: but if the Utah Jazz don't win tonight, I'm going to light some incense, put on the cranberries, prank call someone, and proceed to tell them about my time. My ex-girlfriend, Heather Lally, diss my frosted tips
1: in front of everyone at Hoagie Yogi. <laughs> that message brought to you by Jimbo running. Jimbo Slice. Oh, oh this good stuff pregame. Alright, <laughs> more from Gary Anderson in Utah State. Maybe uh, if Rudy has a sick, sick block tonight, you could yell Oh my,
2: he was trying to buy a bucket and Rudy really just gave him the old five-finger discount.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh More about the Utah State Aggies coming up next. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Utah State's Dominic Eberly named as the Special Teams Player of the Week for the Mountain West Conference. He was a perfect 3-for-3 three three on his field goals, a perfect 4-for-4 four four on PATs. And Utah State, didn't, Utah State needed every last one of his points that he was able to put on the board for him. A big field goal at the end to win it for Utah State. It was a moment that a lot of us have been kind of hoping for and waiting for with Dominic Eberle to have a moment where a Utah State kicker would kick a field goal as time expired for the win and Ajay, it hasn't happened since 1998 who was the kicker Brad Bond. and who did he do it against uh who was it i saw it
2: doo, 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 was it doo, new mexico doo. state ah. try again one more time come on who did he do it against colorado state North Texas. North Texas. How long was, was the field goal, Eric? How long was the field goal? Yeah. Uh, this one's a gimme. Come on, was a thirty-yarder. It
1: was. It was a thirty-yarder. Incidentally, Brad Bond was uh, very much a part of recruiting Dominic Everly to come to Utah State.
2: Yeah, which is pretty cool. I don't, yeah, Dominic. Good for him. I mean, he hadn't kicked in two weeks, and so then you're like, "Hey, we need you to kick." and and, and people talk about. Even if they would have scored a touchdown, right? Those two field goals that he got earlier were humongous. Yes. One of them made it a two-score game, and if he doesn't get that one, Utah State's probably out of this one in the fourth. Uh, and then the other one was to even cut it to one. Like, those those field goals were monstrous
1: for the Aggies. And uh, and he holds the all-time field goals made record for the Mountain West. Sure does. With still more games to play yeah he's not done yet either that's what's crazy
2: yeah he's been phenomenal good for him uh and you know they like it's gonna happen again well they're gonna need the field goal kicking to come through i thought it would happen against Air force and it didn't it certainly didn't happen against byu and so uh for them to be able to make something happen there and and uh, they, you know for Everly to be able to i mean you, you throw them on there and, and you know it's not just about the kicker but it's about the hold, it's about the protection as well um, yeah, all that is a part of the package, and all that you got to give credit to everyone who is a part of that. And it's a great job to put it through. I know it's a chip shop, but those are usually the hardest ones to make.
1: There's a lot of concern about this Utah State team defensively, Aj. Uh, the way they got blown up against Air Force, blown up against BYU, uh, they didn't even look that particularly great uh, against Nevada at times. Um, And they're without David Woodward. They were without Tipanali on Saturday. So the question is the depth and strength of this team going forward. How well will they do? But before we address that concern, Gary Anderson wanted to praise his defense for the way they came up tough in the fourth quarter against Fresno State.
3: Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, I'm just proud of those kids making those plays in that moment, right? Um, You go for it on fourth down and it's either going to be a good decision or a bad decision. There's no either way way around it, right? It's going to be one of the two. And um, obviously, we didn't get it, so it was a bad decision on my part. And then those kids had to step up and make a play. And you know, I thought we strung out the, the the fly sweep there in a good spot and allowed Shaq to be able to get physical and make a nice physical tackle and make good decisions on the sidelines, which was great to see. And and then Jacoby just I mean made a fantastic play. Um, you know, he he split the the offensive line and half that we're trying to take advantage of and block him in that situation. And um, he snapped through there and, and made a play. And I thought the penetration uh, from the other guys was pretty good. So you know, players make plays. Players win games in those settings, in those situations. And the defense did not play well. They played poor. Um, and we have to get better in that situation. They all know it. We all know it. And But they they didn't ever lay down or quit or say, what was me. They kept on battling, and their eyes were right. And they kept fighting to make plays. And they had an opportunity to do it, and they did it. So. You know, it's just, it's it's awesome to see when your back's up against the wall and it hasn't gone your way that those kids still fight. And I think it just shows how much the, they care about each other and they care about the university and they're gonna keep on playing regardless of what happens. And you know, we've been through that. We've been some ups and downs all year. Um, you know, it's like I say, in those conference games, defense found a way to get us through the first three wins and special teams and offense didn't play poorly all the time but didn't play as well as they wanted to obviously which we know and we can go back and look at all those things but the crew found a way you know when they had to run the ball against Carroll State we had the ball off to Gerald 36 times for 170 whatever yards it was and the defense played well and you know Woody grabs the ball out of a guy's hands and scores a touchdown. It's crazy how some of those things have happened in these league games. And this, this game was no different. The offense was powerful. They moved the ball down the field. They scored when they needed to. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. The defense was, like we've talked about, will we'll need to improve to help us continue to go. But when it had to happen, they did it. Well, here we sit, 4-1 in league play. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's awesome to see them keep fighting and battling for themselves and for their school. And it means a lot. Um, to me, as a coach, to see them you know keep on fighting,
1: and they did i mean they as we read some of the responses back, the team did show a little more grit or spine, as someone put it uh in the game. they were a little more uh physical they didn't lay down, they did have some problems uh they made some adjustments though with some personnel in the second half that uh in the end started to pay some dividends um and so are there more problems to come? Maybe because you've lost a defensive leader that just is really hard to replace. Yes. Uh, how long is Tepanalli out? We don't know. Uh, that could be a real problem. But the if the Utah State offense can play like they did, they'll still be in every game that they play here on out.
2: Yeah. Again, their offense, but it's got to be consistent, right? I mean, look, Wyoming's going to bruise you to death. They're another team, Eric, who are, are are more than happy to chew off six and a half minutes off the clock, seven minutes off the clock, and get a field goal out of it. They're thrilled with that because they're so confident in their defense that they're so physical they can shut you down. I mean, they'll eat that clock like they did it to Boise State. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Wyoming and Boise had like one possession each. In the second quarter, or something—I mean, the both teams ate the clock. And I think that's what it came down to. And finally, Boise scored within the two-minute time uh, to
1: end the half. But
2: Wyoming will limit you. They'll limit you. And look, they—they they know the offense too.
1: Hey, hey well, speaking of time of possession, Utah State did much better. Yes, this oh, last yeah. week, oh, better yeah. sustained drives. It was a little out of whack in the first half but it totally flipped and it didn't become even Fresno State still had an advantage but Utah State did much better with sustained drives holding on to the ball giving their defense rest on the sidelines that uh, certainly helped late in the fourth quarter when they needed to make big stops they weren't totally gassed they were able to still get in there and have some physical play because they weren't on the field forever and were asked to do more than they needed to yeah. so uh, that the offensive play helped the defense in a lot of ways as well. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, some additional thoughts about what happened with Utah State and looking at the Utah Jazz. who are in action tonight at the Golden State Warriors, a little bit later game. But Jazz had some big games for them over the last few days. We'll talk about that next on the Full Court Press.
0: The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: Eric Franson, and Andre Salveson, last thing about the Utah State football game on Saturday was third down efficiency was much better for USU, about 50% compared to where they've been. But the third down defense, still problematic. Uh, Fresno was 7 of 11 on third downs.
2: Yeah, and all those were third and longs and too. They were,
1: Yeah, they had them in third and I long mean, situations quite a bit, but they converted not just to the first down marker, but usually
2: got. Oh a yeah, lot of extra yeah, yard. absolutely, yeah. There was a lot of yards after, and, and and some of those were even just flat out runs, man. some of those were just Reina just trying to find something out of nothing, and yeah, that is that's that's terrifying to me, to be honest with you, because Air Force was in that similar situation. If they were in a third and twelve, dude, you knew it was coming. You knew that someone, I mean, they're going to throw some stupid halfback dive and just classic nineteen ninety two football stuff. And gained 15, 16 yards on it. It was incredible, man. And, and and Fresno is not as near as talented as Air Force, if I dare say. And yeah, huh. they were doing no. that to Utah State. That, that's that got to get fixed and fixed in a hurry.
1: Uh, Utah Jazz, they're in action tonight. They are at the Golden State Warriors, who are not nearly the team that we thought they'd be at this point in the season. Although, it does look like Draymond Green could be available tonight after missing some games with a hand... Uh, finger injury, but uh, they are much different team. Uh, they are they've only won two games. Jazz coming off of that uh, dramatic win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Two great wins by the Jazz last week over against the top teams in the East. Yep, taking down the Sixers and the
0: Bucks.
2: Yeah, uh, that Bucks game. How about that? And out of all the people they find Johanovich in the corner, and he had a great look at the three. In fact, almost when he shot it, you knew it was
1: going in, right? Um, well, do you see uh, on the replay? I didn't catch it in real time, but on the replay, you see Joe Ingles inbound the ball to Boyan, and as Boyan's going to the corner before the shot's even up, Joe Ingles is raising his arms as the signal a three point shot, and he just held it there <laughs> during the whole celebration. Like he made the shot. He's like, yeah, it's going. Made the pass, baby. But Boyan Bogdanovich, I mean, he's averaging twenty two points, yeah, been good, four and a half rebounds, two assists. He's been. He's been superb.
2: Yeah. No, it, it, look, when, when this team is rolling offensively, they get going defensively. I thought the, the looks for uh, Gobert have been there, too. He's getting the touches that he asked for, so uh, that helps a lot. Hey, how about really and quickly? And
1: is is looking oh like he's more gosh. in the flow, too.
2: Yeah, it, he looks like he's finally starting to feel comfortable, doesn't he? Uh, how about the news on Gordon Hayward, the fractured left hand?
1: You know, I feel bad. I feel really bad, I feel bad for, that for guy. Gordon Hayward. Yeah. He was having Just, a really good year. Yeah,
2: averaging 20 something points. I mean, he was, and he was
1: shooting well. He looked too. comfortable in the system. Probably having Kyrie Irving out of the mix made a big difference for Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And Boston's had a really good year, and he was a big part of that.
2: Hey, final thought tonight, not to be dramatic, but if Utah State or Utah Jazz don't win tonight, I'm uh, I'm going to staple a picture of Reese Witherspoon's face on a pumpkin and passionately make out with it and tell him to score it out of Arby's. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Jimbo slice. My man, We gotta get him on.